let us look to see Jesus in every book of the Bible. And uh, we go forward a little bit further tonight than we, than we did last time. And uh, I may be asking some questions. I may be asking some questions about last time. Okay. So, so be ready. Okay. Be ready. Be ready. But it, it's awesome learning about how Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Because what we see through that is that God has had a purpose in his heart and mind for all of his people all the time. From when? The beginning. From when? From the beginning. He had, he's had his people on his heart and on his mind. Who are his people? We are his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures, but the Bible says. And so he's had us on his heart and mind from the beginning. And as we've been studying in the word and looking to see Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible, we've seen that, that uh, he used a certain group of people as an example, as a, an exhibit for us to, to, to see how he loves us, to see how he positions us, to see how he has purpose to bless us and, and allow us to lack for no good thing, to provide for every need. So, so in the Bible, as, you're re, as we've been studying, um, who's the group of people that the Lord decided to use as our example? Samuel was one, okay? But who was the, the whole people group? Who were the chosen people of God? Israel. Israel was the chosen people of God. And he chose them to be our what? Example. He chose them to be our example so that we would understand that if he uh, has taken care of, his, of those people, he will take care of us. Because he made us his people, didn't he? So, so, so how did we get to be the people of God? Not a trick question. How did we get to be the people of God? Through Jesus? Okay, so what, what did we do with Jesus? We confessed him with our mouth. We believed on him in our heart. We accepted and received him as our Savior and Lord. And so that made us the people of God. And when you become a part of the, the family of God, then, he, then he's obligated to take care of you. He's obligated himself to take care of you. And I exhort anybody who hasn't made Jesus Christ their Savior and Lord to receive him as your Savior and Lord. Make him the Lord of your life. Make him your Savior and Lord because then he's obligated to take care of you. And what he says in his word is, if he's obligated to take care of us, he says in his word, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. He said in his word, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Meaning it doesn't run out. It doesn't stop. It never ends. It's always there. He doesn't kick you to the curb. I'm glad about it. He keeps on loving no matter what. No matter all throughout this life, all into the next life, eternal life. 
And anybody who, who is with us Facebook Live and you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, open your heart and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Savior. I make you my Lord. Come in and take over my life. I'm going to turn my life over to you. And it's a good thing to turn your life over to the Lord. Because uh, 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 generally, if you don't, uh, you make a mess. I made a mess. And he's real good at cleaning up the mess. Amen? So all of us, all of us here in the service, we, we just want all of you who are viewing Facebook Live, if you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, open your heart and receive him as your Savior and Lord and obligate him to take care of you the way he takes care of all of us. And the church said, amen. amen. The way he takes care, and he's real good. He's real good at taking care of his own. Amen. Glory to God. So we're going to continue. And last time uh, in, in our study, seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible, uh, what, what, were we, what book of the Bible were we looking at last time? Uh, we were looking at the book of Ezra, right? Um, and, and, uh, so, and we saw some things in the book of Ezra, didn't we? Yes, and, and we're studying uh, a historical period in the life of the nation of Israel when some things happened to them uh, that were not good, right? Um, because they moved away from their relationship with God, right? And so, and so we're studying and looking at, at them uh, being, being run over, being run out of their promised land uh, by their adversaries. And we're looking at how the Lord, even through that, began to restore them. He began to do what? Restore them. He re began to restore them personally. He re began to restore their families. He began to restore them back to their homeland. He began to restore them back to their homeland, and that's what we're looking at as we're studying, and we're seeing that in the midst of that, Jesus Christ was present. And we said that one of the ways that Jesus Christ manifests uh, in that time and season in the nation of Israel's life was that the Lord extended to them what? Grace. And who is Jesus? He's grace. Okay, and so we began to see the Lord was restoring them by extending grace and mercy and love and compassion. Demonstrating to them who he is, demonstrating to them who Jesus Christ is. So that even when we're reading the Old Testament, even before Jesus Christ came physically into the earth, we can still see that God was operating and using Jesus is for the benefit of his people. Amen? So we're going to stay in Ezra because we kind of realize that, uh, that the book of Ezra uh, is uh, more than, we divided it. Remember, we divided the book of Ezra and we said the first six chapters were, were about a part of the nation of Israel returning to their homeland. And, after, and then between verse 6 and chapter 6, I, excuse me, chapter 6 and chapter 7, something else took place. There was a big gap of time. Like how long? 
like 58 years between the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7. There was a big gap of time. And, and the reason why we study the Bible is so that when we read the Bible, we have understanding. And so before this study, when we read chapter, chapter 6 of Ezra and chapter 7, we just thought we were just reading a continuous story. We don't, and until you study, do you realize that there was a big gap, 58-year gap. And we talked about what happened in that gap. So prior to that gap, a portion of the nation of Israel, the Israeli people, were allowed to return to their homeland. You remember that? They were allowed to return to their homeland, to the city of Jerusalem. They were allowed to return back to their homeland. And we talked about it took a long time for them to get there and all that. But when they got there, they began to rebuild their lives in their homeland. They also began to rebuild what? The temple, the place of worship. They began to rebuild, rebuild and rebuild and rebuild it. And uh, did they actually do that? Yes, they actually did do that. Um, and so while that was going on, uh, it was all, it was good. Um, but they, but do you know when you're doing something good, you still have enemies? You still have adversaries? When you're doing something good, everybody's not happy. Everybody's not glad. Everybody's not even impressed. I mean, you would think somebody would see you doing good and say, you know, you're doing a good job. And, and, and you would think that, right? Because you're not, you ain't trying to hurt nobody. You ain't trying to take nothing from them. You would think that, okay? Uh, 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 but that's not always the case. Why? Because we have an adversary who is very, very diligent, very, very conscientious, very, very on his game all the time and, and seeking whom he may devour. And so, and so they, were, they had returned to their homeland. They were happy about it. They were rebuilding their lives. They, they were rebuilding the temple. And still there was resistance from their neighbors, from the people all around. Why y'all doing that? And you ain't doing it right. And I don't know why y'all came back over here anyway. And so what I want you to take from that is comfort. Because when that happens to you, don't think it's strange. Don't, don't, don't think it's strange. Don't get an attitude. Help me, Lord. When that happens, don't think it's strange. Don't get an attitude. Don't, don't start doing this. Sinking, sinking, sinking down. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so this was happening to them. They were getting resistance and all of that. Um, but nevertheless, they kept moving forward in restoration of their homeland, of their lives, of their, of their place of worship, of the temple, okay? And so while that's going on, when, they, when, they, when a portion of the Israeli people returned to their homeland, did, did they all go back at the same time? No, they didn't all go. You remembered, glory to God. They did not all go back at the same time. A, a portion of them went back, okay? And some of that, which meant some of them were still in the land of their captivity. And, all right. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is what happened between Ezra 
chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7 in that 58-year gap. And what we said last time was that there's another book in the Bible called the book of Esther. And really, when we study, study it, we find out that the book of Esther really fits in between Ezra chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7. And so we decided that we're going to put that right in the middle of our Ezra study. Okay? And, and, and we started getting into it a little bit, didn't we? Last time, talking about Esther and, and the book of Esther. Because while, while a portion of Israel was back in their, in their homeland, the rest of them were still in, in captive land under the Persians. Under who? under the Persians, because the Persians had said, y'all can go back, but they didn't all go at one time. So, we t so let's look at uh, Esther, okay? We're, 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 we're sandwiched between Ezra chapter 6 and chapter 7, and we're just going to insert uh, the book of Esther right in there. And so, since I have Bible scholars here tonight, and some of you who are watching are Bible scholars. Uh, we're going to draw on your scholarly wisdom tonight. Who, and let's start by finding out who was Esther. She was an orphan, okay? She had been orphaned. She had lost her mother and her father. Okay, who else was Esther? What nationality was she? She was Jewish, that's correct. So that means she was a part of the kingdom of God. Okay, what else do you know about Esther? She became a queen, right? What else do you know about Esther? She was raised by her uncle. What was her uncle's name? Mort See, you know this. Mordecai was her uncle. He raised her as his own because she didn't have mother nor father. So he raised her. What else do you already know about Esther? She was smart. She was beautiful. Correct? All right. And we said that we like that combination. Right? Uh, uh, the smart going with the beautiful. Amen. And, and, and is, does anybody have that work in their life? Yes. <laughs> does anybody have that working in their life? You need that working in your life. Because if you're beautiful and not smart, somebody take advantage of you. We're not having it, are we? No, no. So she was smart. She was beautiful. What else was she? This was her time and her season. It was her time and her season for what? Correct. All right. So, so here's Esther. She's raised by her, by her uncle, Mordecai. Okay? And, and um, they, they are Jewish people living in the Persian territory of captivity. And uh, um, 
while a portion of their people are back in their homeland, they're still in the Persian territory, right? Okay, so here they are. Last time we talked about the fact that the Persians had a king at that time. And we had been talking about the kings of Persia, hadn't we? Okay, well, this, the, the one that was the king when, when, uh, during Esther's time, his name was Xerxes. Can you say that? Xerxes. See, that's good to say because it starts with an X, and you'd be like, how do I say that? Okay, Xerxes, all right? Also, let me, let me make this clear to you that um, in the Bible, when it's talking about King Xerxes, sometimes they use another name another word so that sometimes when you're, read, when you're reading and you're reading uh, in, in the book of Esther and they're talking about Xerxes who was the king and then they're talking about somebody else named Ahasuerus and you're like who is that? Well it's the same person because sometimes in the way the Bible was written uh, they will use the, the Hebrew name of the person and sometimes they'll use the Greek name of the person because when the Bible was first translated, it was translated into Hebrew and Greek. So, so Xerxes has two names, but nevertheless, he's the king of Persia. And uh, what else do you know about Esther before she became the queen? Hmm? A godly woman. A godly woman. Now, some people, when they read the book of Esther, they kind, of, uh, they kind of wonder, like, how, why, is, why is this book in the Bible? Because in the book of Esther, um, you do not see the name of the Lord mentioned. Did you know that? You do not see the name of the Lord mentioned. But you do see the way of the Lord expressed. What would you say is the way of the Lord? What's something that's a part of the way of the Lord? Deliverance. Deliverance. What else? Love, compassion. What else? Restoration. Very good. What else? Grace. A lot of grace. Protection. Fasting and prayer. It's all in. Uh, uh, the book of Esther. And, and sometimes uh, it is important for us to be in the way of the Lord as well as the name of the Lord. Because sometimes people will speak the name of the Lord but not live the way of the Lord. And, and, and what we see with Esther is a living of the way of the Lord. Say the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord. So some people, would, some Bible scholars, when they, they were like, well, I don't know why the book of Esther is in there because, because the name of the Lord is not mentioned in that book. And how did it get in the Bible? Well, if you think about the way what we've learned in study, we see that, that Esther's experience and Israel's experience under Persian captivity fits right slam in the middle of the book of Ezra. Okay, now who was Ezra? Y'all remember? Ezra was a priest. A Jewish priest. 
All right. So, so this is happening right in the middle of the book that he wrote. So God was already in the midst, in the mix of this. This is making sense. He was already in the mix. So, so, so here's Esther. Um, and uh, there is the king, Xerxes. And we talked last time that the king had a queen. You might remember her name. Vashti was the queen. And, and uh, uh, he was the king. And, and he invited his cronies over. And he was having a party and stuff. And uh, he told Vashti that she needed to come on out and uh, sashay in front of his friends and, and prove to his friends that he had a beautiful wife. And I, I said the last time that I think that Vashti was kin to some of us uh, uh, because Vashti said, I'm not doing that, okay? And uh, he was like, yes, you are. And she was like, no, I'm not. And uh, I'm your wife, I'm not your show pony. Y'all heard that term before, y'all know it? Y'all look at me like you don't understand. So, so she refused. And of course the king was not happy about that because he was embarrassed. Cause you know, he told everybody come over and see, I got the most beautiful wife in the world. And she telling him, <laughs> I'm not doing it. And so he, of course he got angry, upset and all of that. And he had her sent into exile and uh, kicked her to the curb. Um, and so, and he was good with that at first. And after she was gone for more than a minute, he was like, you know, since I lost my baby, I don't know what in the world, I, I don't know. I can't hardly function and, and, and I can't believe it. And it's lonely up in this big old castle house, whatever, by myself. And, uh, but that didn't change her mind. She still was like, right, I'm out. And so, and, 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 and he, and it wasn't like uh, he didn't have anybody to keep him company. Because remember last time we said that she was the queen and, and she had the, all the, all the uh, uh, accoutrement of being the queen, all the, all the extra stuff and all that. And that was all good, but, uh, 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 but, he had all his side pieces. You know, back in the day, they called him a harem, harem of women. That whatever, you know, whatever and whatever, whatever the king say, it was all good. And, you know, the queen was like, I'm tired. I just can't, I'm not, I'm not, all right? So, so he had all them, but, but he didn't have a queen. So what did we say last time happened when he didn't have a queen no more? Because Vashti was out. What happened? He, did he continue without a queen? No, he didn't. How, how, so somebody said Esther showed up, but, what, but how did Esther show up? What, what did the king do? He started looking for a queen. And so he, had, he sent out a decree that, uh, that uh, uh, he was going, no, he sent out a decree to somebody find, go out, send his people out, find me a queen. So, so he had the, the Miss Universe pageant <laughs> and uh, go out and get all the beautiful women and, 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 uh, and, and then I'll make a decision. So, 
So in the course of that, then bringing in all these beautiful women from all over uh, the Persian territory, one of the women that was brought in was named Esther. Esther. And when he saw Esther, he almost passed out. <laughs> she was so beautiful, so lovely, and he decided, this is going to be my queen. So, does she become the queen? Yes, she becomes the queen, right? She becomes the queen. So now, the king is happy, he's got a queen, and it's like all good for a minute. It's always for a minute, right? And so the king had, the king had a right-hand man, so to speak. He had a personal assistant. He had a chief of staff um, named Haman. Say Haman. Haman. And Haman loved his job. Oh, did he love his job. He, he, the chief of staff, the king's right-hand man, and, and, and it got so good to him, and, and he was given so much liberty that, that when people would see him coming, they would bow down. Like, you must be all that. That, that the king would choose you to be his right hand, that the king would choose you to be the chief of staff, that the king would choose you to be a decision maker in his kingdom, you must be all that. So people would bow down to him and, 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 and celebrate him and tell him how wonderful he was. And guess what happened to his head? It got big. He got the big head because people were bowing down to him and, and, and giving him all this attention. And everybody was bowing down to him except one person. And that person was Mordecai. Mordecai, Esther's uncle. And, and Mordecai uh, said he wasn't bowing down to anybody except the Lord God. Well, Haman uh, was not thrilled with that because everybody else was bound down to him. So he was saying to Haman, I mean, he was saying to Mordecai, why aren't you bound down? He said, I bow down to the Lord God of Israel. That's it. And the more often that uh, Mordecai refused, the angrier Haman got. And he ultimately found out that Mordecai was a Jew. And so he tried to figure, he began to think, how can I stick it to this guy who won't bow down to me? And so he decided that uh, he was going to issue his own decree that, that anybody who was a Jew uh, would be killed uh, if he was not bowed down to. And for some reason, the king let him get away with that for a minute. And so he began to find ways to get a decree written. He had a decree written and sent to all the provinces of the Persian territory announcing that uh, in, in a short while, in a few months, all y'all going to be killed if uh, if Mordecai don't come and bow down. And, and so 
so this was a threat to all the Jewish people, the ones that were under Persian territory and the ones who had already returned to Jerusalem. And so now they're in trouble. So what does Mordecai do? He goes to his daughter. What was her name? Esther. Esther. And, and what does he say to her? Girl, you got to go to the king. Because, because all of our people are, are about to be annihilated. And, and, and if you don't do something, you the queen, now you, you, you got to do something. And if you don't do something, we all going to die. And at first Esther was like, well, how can I, I just can't bust up in there and say, hey, let my people go. So, but, so, so she decided to do something first. What did she decide to do first? Fast and pray. And, and ask others that were Jewish people to do the same thing. How long did she fast and pray? Does anybody know? Before she, before she decided, okay, I'm going to do this, she fasted and prayed for three days and had other people that were of Jewish descent to fast and pray with her. And guess what happened while she was fasting and praying? What happens when you fast and pray? On the positive side, you get some wisdom. When you fast and pray, God will give you wisdom. What else happens when you fast and pray? You get revelation when you fast and pray. And so this is what happened with Esther. She fasted and she prayed. And at the end of the fast and prayer, the Lord told her, you can do this. I release you to do this. And this is how you're going to do it. Say how. how. This is how you're going to do it. And, and, and many times when you're in a situation where there's pressure, where, where, where there's not knowing, where it's intense, many times fasting and prayer will help you. Do I have an amen? amen? Fasting and prayer will help you because number one, uh, Esther had, was, had never been a queen before. Number two, she knew that she couldn't just go into the king, bust up in there and say, uh, do what I say. So she needed wisdom. She needed confirmation that she was supposed to do it. And she needed instruction in what to do and how to do it. And so if you're in a place right now and you don't know what to do, and you don't know how to do, what would be good for you to do? Fast and pray. And when you fast and when you pray, your ears need to be open to listen to God so he can tell you what to do. Will he tell you what to do? Yes, he will. And he told Esther what to do. So, so, so when God gives you a plan, sometimes it seems real simple. But if God gives you a plan, the plan that he gives you is anointed. Did you hear me? It's anointed. 
And that anointed plant from God will bring victory into your life. And so the Lord gave, gave Esther an anointed plan for how to approach the king and how to win favor with the king and how to not just get her way, but get God's way. Because when she went before the king to, to ask about him preserving the life of the Jewish people, she was in there not just for herself, but she was in there for, for others. How many others? Two, three? No, thousands and thousands, okay? And so the Lord gave her the plan. Does anybody know any, any aspects of the plan that the Lord gave her? Any aspect of the plan the Lord gave her? She had to get real beautified. That's number one. She had to get real beautified. I like that. She had to get real beautified. And so she spent a season of time self-care. How you like that? A whole lot of time on self-care. Okay, all kind of bubble baths and, and all kind of skin treatments and getting her hair did and all, <laughs> all of those things, okay? And, 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 and listening still to the Lord for what to do, how to do, what to say, when to say, when to move. So she spent a whole lot of time getting beautified, right? Okay, so, so she got beautified. And... and the Lord gave her strategy. Say strategy. strategy. Okay? And, and sometimes when, when you are resisting the adversary, when the adversary is coming against you, um, and you pray, and you fast, and you listen to God, many times he'll give you a strategy. Because sometimes the best way is not just to bust up in something, bust up in some place, or just get in somebody's face. Sometimes you need strategy, okay? And, 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 and isn't it a beautiful thing when, when somebody functions by the strategy God gives, okay? So he gave her a strategy um, to, uh, to protect her people, save their lives, and uh, to get a, a side victory. I just love it. Because sometimes when the Lord's doing one, when you see the Lord do one thing, he's probably doing multiple things at the same time. So the Lord gave her a strategy, and the strategy was to, um, to, uh, to, and to have a dinner, to have a banquet. Um, but before the banquet took place, uh, the Lord visited the king. Did you know this? The Lord visited the king uh, because he was, he was up late one night. He had insomnia or something, couldn't sleep. And so he had somebody bring him, bring him, his, bring him books to read. And, and the, one of the books that was brought to him was a history book of all the glorious things that happened under the king. All the things that talk about how wonderful he was as a king. And yes, you did this. And yes, you did that. And yes, you are wonderful. And yes, you're the greatest king of all time. And when he was reading in that, in that, in that book, he read a passage in the book uh, that reminded him he, that he had forgotten. 
And the passage talks about how that there was a period of time when, when people were coming against the king and, and that, that there were people who were planning to overthrow him. And Mordecai heard about it. And Mordecai had the opportunity to go and communicate to the palace, to the king, that a plot was underway to overthrow him. And, and as a result, the king was able to squash the problem. But he had forgotten about it until he was up late reading. And, and, and so uh, that was brought to his remembrance that Mordecai saved my life. And, 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 and so uh, uh, after that, uh, there was a communication between the king and the queen, and he's telling about Mordecai and, all, and, and how the, he had saved his life, and, and uh, that was good. So, so the next day, Haman comes in for his staff meeting, and, and he's meeting with the king and are going over their agenda and, and all the things that are going on. And uh, the king says to Haman, uh, what, what should I do? What, what would you recommend that I do for somebody who saved my life? Or what would you recommend that I do for somebody who looked out for my, my welfare? What, what, what would you suppose that I should do? What would you recommend that I do for somebody who would do that for me? And so Haman says, uh, well, I think, I, think, I think it would be good to give that person a royal robe that you've worn. Uh, 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 because Haman thought that the king was talking about him. So, so he said, I think you should give, I think you should give a, a royal robe to that person, that one that you've worn yourself. Oh, and, and I think that, that I think, oh, I think that you should give the, the, that person one of your royal steeds, one of your, one, one of your royal horses as a gift for saving your life. And I think that, I think that, that it would be, if somebody did that, I, I think that you should, that you should give them a parade. And, and, and put them on the horse and, and, just, and just march them through the streets so all the people can see who it was that saved your life. So, so this is Haman's, this is what Haman thinks should happen to the, for the benefit of the person that saved the king's life. So the king said, duly noted, the next day is a banquet. That, that Queen Esther has asked the king, could, could they have a dinner party? And so that they had the dinner party, it was the king and the queen, and, and they had invited uh, Haman to the dinner party. And, and, and when Haman got there, it was shock and awe to him because nobody else was there. <laughs> nobody else was there. And he was like, oh, wow, the queen invited me and nobody else to this dinner party. This is awesome. I know I'm the man. Ah. 
I know I'm the man. And so the dinner party starts. And they're having this lovely dinner and all is going along lovely in the dinner. And, and, and uh, Queen Esther had already talked to the king about her people and, and how they were, they, were in, in, uh, they were under death threat. You know, after they had a lovely dinner and wine and all this and entertainment and, and Haman is just like laid up in the cut like I am the big dog. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I would imagine by, by it's dessert time and it's, and it's been lovely, you know, and it's been nice and, and all of that. And then the king, and then the king, uh, the, the queen says, you know, my people are going through all this and, and you know, and it's not right. And, and I just feel so bad about it. And, and, uh, 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 this, and the king said, who would do such a thing? Who would say such a thing? Who, who, who would wish ill on your people? You're my queen. You're my queen. Who would wish this thing on your people? Tell me who, it, who, who, who is it? And Queen Esther said, it is said, not I, it is said that Haman is that person. And the queen and the king turned on Haman and said, You did what? Issued a decree that all my queen's people are going to be killed. Everything that you decreed for the people of my queen is going to be on you. It ain't going to be no royal robe. It's not going to be no royal steed. No, 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 no horse from my royal uh, uh, stables. And no parade for you. In fact, there's going to be a parade and you're going to be paraded through the streets to the place of hanging that you prepared for Mordecai. Because the queen has arrived. Because the queen fasted and prayed. Because the queen listened to the Lord her God. And even in the face of opposition and anxiety and fear and all of that, she was obedient to follow God's instruction, saved her people alive, and her life and her service is remembered in the Bible, book of the Bible named after her because of her relationship with God and by her, and by her manifesting godly lifestyle, 
the people were saved, God got the glory. So much so that that whole experience turned into a Jewish feast that is celebrated every year from then until now. How many years has that been? Thousands of years. And in Jewish culture, it's called the Feast of Purim, where they remember Queen Esther and how their people were saved alive by her faithfulness, her diligence, her prayer, her fasting, her relationship with God, and her obedience to the Lord God of Israel, who is our Lord and our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. To God be, and so, and, so, and so in all of that, we see Christ, don't we? In all of that, we see Christ. We see the love, we see the compassion. We, see, we even see Jesus' lifestyle, right? Did Jesus fast? Did Jesus pray? Did Jesus get instruction? Yes. All of which is instruction for us, because when we do those things, what comes to us. What comes to us? Victory. Victory comes to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you learn anything tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so now, uh, my, I exhort you, between now and the next time we're together, read the book of Esther. Because now you read it with greater understanding. You read it with greater understanding, greater wisdom, and, and read it so that the Lord can, can put wisdom into you. So that your, your functioning in wisdom can go to a higher place. Meaning what? Meaning, meaning that you don't always have to react instantly to everything. When you're offended, you don't have to, you don't have to react instantly. Because we see through Esther's life, prayer and fasting and listening to God brings the wisdom you need for the victory that you deserve. Amen? You got that? All right. We will go on. Uh, we'll go on next time to Nehemiah. Okay? To God be the glory. Glory to God.